Do you have a chance to use your strengths every day? And in the last week, have you felt excited to work every day? If what you're doing doesn't provide you with some sort of fulfillment every day, then maybe it isn't the right fit for you. You know, we, we've done a lot of research. We talk a lot about how engagement leads to profitability. And so you're not doing yourself any good by being in a role where you're not getting any daily joy, but you're also not doing the business any good because if you're not engaged, you're not helping to grow the business. Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. When was the last time you lost track of time utterly engaged with what you were doing? You instinctively volunteered for something. You surprised yourself with how well you did. These are questions from New York Times best-selling author Marcus Buckingham's most recent publication, Love and Work, and also the focus of this week's podcast. We're a big fan here at NCG of Buckingham's previous work, First Break All the Rules, utilizing and speaking to the concepts in the many facets of our coaching conversations. Unsurprisingly, Buckingham's new book hits home on the very same level. Four of our team members, Brian Nolan, Catherine Freeman, Colin Nolan, and Sydney Bates took over the NCG book club this week for an engaging discussion on what it means to really love what you do. To understand how you can use what you love to reveal your unique talents and pinpoint what makes you stand out from others. We're incorporating strategies from love and work into our own organization's way of thought going forward. So if you hear us talking about the power of red threads in the near future and are looking for context, this is your cue to pick up a copy of the book and get in on the conversation. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. Hello, everybody. Brian Nolan's my name, and we're here with a podcast today, uh, which is one of my favorite type of podcasts. It's the book club podcast. I say every single time, I love book club. I love it. it it's just a way to dig in deep to the contents in a book and then be able to, to discuss how we can integrate them into our lives and really our coaching consulting. I'm here with Catherine Freeman. Colin Nolan, mm-hmm. and Sydney Bates. Hi, team. Morning. Hello, Brian. Hello. Uh, so this, this book club is uh, about love and work. It's a book by Marcus Buckingham. Um, every now and then a book comes along that I think rocks my world and changes us and has implications for years and, and years. One of the last books that did that to me was in 1999, also written by by. Buckingham, and uh, he had um, Kaufman also, and that was called First Break All the Rules. I've been, I've been using First Break All the Rules in my coaching for 23 years. And then this book pops along, Love Plus Work, and I'm blown away. Um, at, at 59 years old, I'm still getting blown away by books and learning and, and, and finding out what I truly love about work. And um, I'm, I'm going to start by reading What is Love? plus work. And then I'm going to interview my colleagues here to get their, their take on what their loves are and, and into work. So when we talk about love plus work, I'm going to read the back page of this book. You've long been told to do what you love. Sounds simple, 
but the real challenge is knowing how to do this in a world not set up for you. Most of us don't actually know the real truth of what we love, what engages us, and what makes us thrive. And our workplaces, jobs, and schools are focused instead on making us conform. Sadly, no person or system is dedicating, dedicated to discovering the crucial intersection between what you love to do and how you contribute this to others and to the world. And that's what we're really talking about here, the, the intersection of what you love and how that contributes to the world in a world of, of work. Catherine, I'm gonna start with you. Catherine, how is he defining love? I mean, that's, that's a big word like quality, like love, right. defining love. Right. And, you know, I think uh, love, I, I, I use love frequently in my vocabulary. Um, and for me, when I when I read this, it's it's I use it a lot. It's it's interchangeable, but it's a very simple concept. And love makes you more right. When you think about love making you more, it's bigger than you are. It's it's bigger. And in in this particular instance, he's talking about it in a work context. And so it's about loving work and work being love and making it bigger. Um, I think that he writes in here that uh, the purpose of love is to help you learn where and how you can contribute. Love is actually for work. And that really resonated for me. It just was, you know, sort of like an aha moment. It, it seems like so many people go to work each day and don't don't think about that they they should love what they what they do. Sydney, do, do you have to love every part of what you do? Explain that. Give an example. Yeah. So in, in the book, he he talks about how really what love and work is is drawing the love out of your work, and how you don't need to find that perfect job that encompasses everything that you love, but you should be able to weave your loves into what you do. Um, and he talks about these two questions. Do you have a chance to play to your strengths that work every day? And were you excited to go to work every day last week? And how um, they did a study where the people that were thriving in their jobs were able to answer those questions um, confidently. And when I think about this, um, you know, in terms of Nolan Consulting Group and our clients, um, it's, it's really about maybe your entire position vision doesn't en encompass your your loves but there's a portion of it that does so if you're in inside ops maybe it's putting the pieces into that job schedule together and and looking at that on a on a spreadsheet or if you're you know a project manager solving problems rapidly or even a business owner if it's you know your love is seeing your employee live out your their primary aim that they've been working on um, so you don't need to love entirely what you do. Um, it's just about being able to identify your loves and then weave that in to your to your position. Yeah, and we'll get into the uh, details of that later, right? I, yeah. I thought that was a major aha moment. You don't have to love everything you do, but you have to find some love in what you do. I think that's a key point. One, one of the biggest um, things that came out of this book for I think all of us was this concept of a red thread. What are your red threads? I'm going to ask Colin to talk about what a red thread is and is even a set of questions that you can go through to help identify your red threads. Carl, what's a red thread? A red thread is something that's very unique to yourself. 
So you, you have 100 billion neurons and connections, right? 100 trillion connections going on in your brain. And he talks about how that's more than 5,000 Milky Ways, right? You're an individual. No one is like you never will be again. And when we typically talk about what people are good at, we, we are too general. We talk about someone's a great people person or they're, they're really great, they're really well detailed or they're a great salesperson. And that's way too specific. Um, you're, you're not a generality, right? So your red threads are very specific to, to you. Um, he paints life as almost like an overall fabric, right? The fabric of life. And there's different color threads. There's black threads, gray threads, yellow threads. The red threads are the supercharged pieces of you where you lose yourself inside of whatever it is that you're doing, uh, where you feel in control. It's what makes you happy there. It's extremely specific, right? Um, and he talks about the difference between uh, hobbies and red threads, right? So love plus no skill is a hobby, right? I might I may love triathlon, but I'm not very skilled at it. I'm not taking any, any uh, awards or on any podiums, right? So that, that's just a hobby. Love plus skill is a red thread. Uh, and loveless excellence is an oxymoron because all excellence is, is love. And he connects it to being in flow, which is something we've talked about before on the book podcast, right? Where you're inside of an activity and you lose track of time um, and you need to try and make 20%, that's the goal, 20% of what you're doing at work, a red thread activity. Mm. Mm. So anything more than that is, is awesome. Anything less than that will cause burnout, stress that eventually happens, right? Uh, burnout happens very slowly and then all, all at once typically. So That's he gives you, you these questions, figure out what your red threads are mm. um, and to help you figure it out. So he goes, when was the last time? And he says to think about the, the day, the time and the activity, right? When you're entering these and the most, it's, it should be a specific activity, right? Because if it's something you do a lot, When's the last time you lost track of time? The last time you volunteered for something? The last time someone had to tear you away from what you were doing? The last time you felt completely in control of what you were doing? Last time someone surprised, so last time you surprised yourself with just how well you did at an activity? Last time you were singled out for praise? The last time you were the only person to notice something? The last time you actively looked, looked forward to work? the last time you found a new way of doing something and the last time you wanted the activity to never end. Mm. So hopefully these questions will allow you to come to some sort of specific or a couple of specific red threads you have. Um, and obviously he talks through the rest of the book about how to incorporate those into your life. Uh, great job with that, Colin. Yeah, Catherine. You know, I wanted to uh, dovetail on something that Colin said there about, um, you know, the, the red thread and the last time you lost yourself in something and, you know, pairing it up with what I said earlier about, you know, love and what love actually represents. And, you know, Brian, we talk often about uh, what it, what it's like for me as a coach uh, working with clients. And I'm often using that language, right? I fall in love with a client. I fall in love with, with their business. I fall in love with who they are. I fall in love with their ideals. And really what it boils down to is that's part of my red thread, right? Is the, is the, the love part is actually a word I have chosen happens to coincide with what he's talking about, but it's a word that I've chosen to, to sort of represent that, you know, that, that thrill or that, that moment of, you know, 
euphoria, right, that you get when you're like, ah, I've achieved this with a client. And, you know, that, that really was just so meaningful. It's funny because you and I talk about it differently than Andrew. Like you we and do. I, <laughs> we it, do. It's, it's actually hard for us to, to, uh, to take on a new client on board because we're looking to fall in love in a odd sense. We're looking for the relationship and we really, yeah. really want that because we want trust. Andrew's, Andrew's a mechanic. Andrew loves the work of the work. We love the relationship. So it's sort of, yeah. it's sort of interesting that, that different dynamic. It? it is. It is. And and no one, no one uh, situation there is correct or right. They both work. They both yeah. Work. That's yeah. the red thread. That's what makes it so special and unique. Well, as Colin says, it's unique and special to us, right? It's, or the individual, I should say the individual. Yet, yet um, there are details in the red thread. Just when you think you have them, he goes, wait a minute, don't get don't don't have a misinstinct here. Really understand how how do details play a role in defining red thread, Sid? Yeah, I mean, he says that love really lives in the details. And as Colin was, was saying earlier, as a society, we like to make those sweeping generalizations about people um, and sort of lump them in together. Um, but he describes the details as being love's raw material. So he gives an exercise. Um, writing a love letter where you think of, I love it when, and then maybe let's say, I love it when I'm working with my hands, right? And then he says, okay, well now you need to ask five does it matter questions to really flush out what that red thread is. Um, so, you know, does it matter what exactly you're doing with your hands? Does it matter the time of day? Does it matter if you're outside or if you're inside? Does it matter if you're working with tools or not working with tools? Um, so really, uh, what you want to do when you're trying to find your red threads is get as detailed and as specific as possible, um, because that's what he really says is where you can find yourself and where your loves live. Oof, that's good. That's really asking those, those why, why, where, and, and what questions to really boil down to what actually makes you tick is, is great. Um, a lot of us though. We avoid some of the red threads because we have fear. We have fear of, of the unknown, of getting outside of comfort zones. What does Buckingham say about fear, Catherine? You know, uh, feel the fear and do it anyways is such a catchphrase. I say it myself, right? Feel the fear and do it anyways. Um, but he points out that fear is actually for narrowing your focus. Um, you narrow your focus in, and then he takes it a step further and be curious about it ask questions. Why am I afraid of this? Why am I afraid of doing this particular activity? What is it that is preventing me from pushing forward or learning about it? You know, fear should be something that sits next to you. It's there. Um, it has a, an evolutionary or a biological sort of component to it. Um, but be at peace and figure things out. I, and I think that's actually maybe the driving force for everything that we do in the Nolan Consulting Group and things that we talk about on a regular basis is that curiosity. And if we can be curious about this in addition to everything else, we can really get better at what we do. Often, uh, the more fear you feel, the more you know you need to do it. Yeah. Uh, so um, 
realize it, look at it, don't be consumed by it. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about uh, what he called misinstincts. Uh, and I think this is important when we interview candidates and people interview and they get tricked. Like when a person says they love sales, it's what, what do the best salespeople say? Um, I, I wanna read something from page 123 here because this hit me really, really hard as well. Um, <clears throat> we have to be thinking in a role, what's the work of the work? What precisely will I, I be paid to do? Ask yourself, what will a regular week in this new role look like? What will I be doing at nine o'clock on a normal Wednesday morning or at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon? I've posed the best salespeople this question. What do you love most about selling? And some of the answers I get are like this. I love building trust. I love explaining the benefits of what we're offering. I love meeting lots of people. I love selling things that I believe in. It turns out though, that the best people say none of these. Well, they may also say one of these things, but what all the best people say is, I love the clothes. I love the clothes. It lies in the activity of the clothes, sign on the line, which is dotted. In the broadest sense, this activity of getting another human being to commit. The best salespeople thrive on that. So be careful. That's the detail part, by the way, Sid. When you say you love sales, tell me more about that. I think that was really key. Yes, Colin. I think this is such a lesson in how we develop people. And especially, you know, when we talk about IDPs and people talk about where they want to be in three years and their primary aim, I think people rely on titles and position too much for where they want to be. And we don't do a good enough job of peeling that back and go, okay, so you want to be a sales manager. Let's put you know, the title sales manager aside for a minute. Let's talk about what, what's the why there. What is that going to provide you? What is, what, what is appealing about that role? And then someone might say, well, I don't know. It's just the next step up. Okay, so that, that's probably maybe that's not what you want. And you're using that title as because you think you need to go the next step up for money or for a feeling of accomplishment, right? So we, we need to fully peel back with people what it is they, they truly want in there. Overall, their primary aim, but just even in the three-year vision, the day-to-day, -day, and, and what are these promotions going to give you? And is that really what you want? Well, I think, think Kyle, if we could integrate red thread type questions to in interviews, to make sure we're hiring someone that there's an abundance of red threads weaved into the work of the work. I So I actually, not to pat myself on the back here, I don't think I do that often, but I've tried to do that in the past. It hasn't gone well. I've, I've asked people, when are they most in flow? Because uh, I've tried to identify that and it doesn't always go over well because people don't know what flow is and I have to explain it and then we kind of get lost in that. So I think I want to keep doing that, but maybe find a different way of figuring out maybe go through some of the, the 10 red thread questions, right? I think so. Um, and, and incorporate those. I mean, I, everybody knows my most uh, important value, right? What's my most important value, you guys? Food. Engagement. 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 Well, right. food is, food is, my, <laughs> food is my most important value. I <laughs> Colin, you and I share that as the most it's, important value. Right. But, but maybe it comes from this concept of, of engagement is when I walk in the office and I can almost see the red threads um, supercharged. I, I like how you, how you define that, Colin. Red threads are supercharged neurons that you just, you are flowing. 
And if you can get a team of people operating inside their red threads, my word, what you can accomplish is unbelievable. Yes, Sid. Yeah, I mean, he poses, um, you know, the line, identify the activities when you're at your best, not the activities that you're best at. And I think in an interview, people jump to try and sell themselves as the activities that they're at their best at, right? Mm. Um, but not really when they're at their best, which is what we're talking about with Red Threads. Outstanding. Outstanding. Catherine, run us to the, the, the two most important questions, again, in predicting positive outcomes for the performance, first year retention, engagement, or resilience. Do you have a chance to use your strengths every day? And in the last week, have you felt excited to work every day? And I think he points out that every day is the key. It's the frequency. It's finding something every single day that you are fulfilled by. And if what you're doing doesn't provide you with some sort of fulfillment every day, then maybe it isn't the right fit for you. Maybe yeah. maybe this job that you have is is like Colin says, maybe you've achieved a sales management position, but you're finding no joy in it any day of the week. Now you've traded your sort of financial desires from your purpose, from your um, personal joys. And, you know, we, we've done a lot of research. We talk a lot about how engagement leads to profitability. And so you're not doing yourself any good by being in a role where you're not getting any daily joy, but you're also not doing the business any good because if you're not engaged, you're not helping to grow the business. So it's really a two-way street there. You're going to burn out. Nice. Yeah. Let's go. The, the thing Catherine mentioned there, the frequency, he, he talks about a lot, especially when it comes to leadership, where frequency is more important than effectiveness oftentimes, right? So even if you don't think there's anything to talk about at that week's one-on-one -on -one huddle, you still huddle, right? That's that, that was just another takeaway as well. I love I that. You know, that was Brian, I had said to you, you know, that was, that for me was, was like a, a pretty significant takeaway that a weekly huddle doesn't need to be complicated with fancy agendas. You know, it's what did you do last week that you loved? What did you do last week that you loathed? What are your priorities and what do you need from me? What's the help or support that you need? Um, which if, you know, if we think about the number of business owners that we have and leaders within those businesses that we work with, to provide a simpler agenda that can actually drive as much engagement as, you know, maybe a once a month check on their 90-day plan, I mean, we'd be giving them gold, right? Giving them time. and So, so weaving weaving the red thread questions into your weekly huddle, Catherine. That's what you and I talked about this week, how to, how to make sure that, that we're not just transaction stuff. We're talking about right. this. Are you having any red thread um, activities in your days? Uh, and if they can't, if, they, if they're not, then it may be an indication that they're in the wrong role. And we need to look for a role that the red threads become supercharged. Uh, to be sure. Colin, um, so, but the individual really doesn't matter when we talk about teams. I mean, teams win, right? So what, what does he say about teams and how it relates to conventional thinking that the individual is not as important as the team? 
so that I, I love this part of the book because one of people who know me know one of my red threads is history. So he goes back and talks about uh, the oldest painting ever discovered where each person was morphed. Sorry, it was, like, it was like a cave painting, right? Not the oldest like canvas painting. The oldest cave painting ever discovered 22,000 years ago, I believe what it was. And each person was morphed into some sort of animal symbolizing their strength where someone was brave and they were you know, part lion, someone was fast and they were part eagle. Um, and he uses that as kind of symbolic and it goes back to how the old adage, just know I in team. Now people always say team is more important than the person, but why did teams come about to begin with 22,000 years ago? It's because teams allow the eye to be at their best. I can most utilize my speed when I'm in a team of people who are focusing in other areas. And I, I kind of brought this into our world, right? And think about who's the most I person in most businesses that's kind of living in their own silo is typically sales reps, right? That they they think that they're almost on their own. I'm 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 a I'm a solo guy, but they wouldn't be able to do what they do best and just sell if it not if it were not for a full team of people who took care of everything else that allowed them to succeed and follow their red threads, right? They don't have to worry about leads typically. They don't have to worry about the customer service when somebody calls. They don't have to worry about scheduling the work with, that the admins do. They don't have to worry about producing the work. They don't have to worry about getting paid. The finance team typically does that, right? So no sales rep can truly engage fully in their red thread without a full team around them. So teams are about maximizing the eye, and that's where everyone is at their most powerful. Yeah, that... That, uh, that section gave me goosebumps here, actually, as you're talking about it, because I, I can think of so many areas where I've seen it. I mean, just with you, Colin, you know, Colin joined the leadership team this year. And it, heretofore, it was me, Andrew, and Catherine. And we did great. Um, but then Colin joined, and uh, he added his, his individuality to it, his, his questions, his, he changed the whole way we thought. And um, so when you add one new person to a team, if you really represent their red threads effectively, you, you, you elevate to all new levels. Um, so uh, I, I certainly see that. I wanna, I wanna now talk about each of our, our red threads a little more deeply. Um, I know all this, as we're reading this book, we're like, what's my red thread? Where, you know, where am I? And we're thinking I was right and, and all. Uh, Sid, as you, as you uh, look at those questions and then look at the details behind them uh, and you incorporate them into your world and your world at Nolan Consulting, what are your red threads? Yeah, so uh, one of the ones that I was trying to suss out and use that does it matter when was um, a red thread of solving complex problems with results that can be easily applied um, is one of my red threads. So. Huh. You know, somebody poses, oh, this is happening or whatever. And I'm, I'm thinking about all these questions in my mind about how, how can we fix that? But, okay, this is my solution. But can that person then take that and run with it, right? Because if you have solutions that they can't easily apply, then it's kind of no good. Um, but, I mean, most people know my, my reddest of reddest threads. Um, but this, this one, you know, Brian, we were talking earlier, took me years to, to actually figure out um, what it really was um, because growing up, everybody knew that I loved dogs, but people just assumed that I was gonna be a vet. And that was one of those generalizations that he 
talked about um, earlier in the book that, uh, you know, just because you love dogs or you love animals, people think, oh, you're going to go be a vet, but that's not actually the case. Um, so throughout the years, I've I've sussed out what the real red thread is. And it's, I love creating and modifying precise behaviors with my own dogs to compete at high levels in dog sports. Um, and that's pretty really, detailed, by the way. that's pretty it's, detailed. It's very detailed, it's very detailed, but it, that's really what it is because, you know, I, I, I have a dog training business outside of working for NOLA consulting group where I'm, I'm tra I'm going into people's houses and training their pets. And I would say that's an orange thread. Like there's some things that I like about it, but not everything because it's not my dogs and we're not doing dog sports and I'm not being precise and, and sure. building these like powerhouse behaviors. I'm just not getting their dog to drag them down the street, you know? <laughs> um, so it's, it's different. And, and, but that's the power of this book is that you may think that your red thread is is something and you may be going through your life kind of operating that way. But once you figure out what your red thread really is, that's when you're in that state of flow and you're just, your life just opens up. That's brilliant. That's good stuff. Thanks. You know, Colin, I, I want to go to you next. And I, as your dad, I, I, what I know about you is your, your reddest, your red threads are reddest of red. I mean, if you know Colin, you know, when he gets into something, he's deep. I could, I could list out a whole bunch of things and he's very, supercharged about those but Kyle you I have, share I have a lot of supercharged things but I, I think those might be more hobbies sometimes than uh like what is uh what is knowing the exact dates of a specific battle could help me with in my in my working world right I talk about that a lot with uh disc my high, my high theoretical it doesn't really help me a whole lot sometimes um but I think about what am I good at um and what what do I love, right? Because those are those are the true red threads, or what you're good at, and what what you love. Public speaking is certainly one. I felt um, uh, strangely um, similar to Marcus Buckingham and how his path on public speaking and his fluency problems, um, and how that's been an area of my life that's been a surprising benefit. That all started freshman year of college when I took a public speaking class. That's when I first knew that I I really enjoyed it. Um, it's also where a lot of fear lives as well, which has how I know I need to do it. Uh, now, obviously we could, I, I could go and lie down on my couch here and tell you all about my, my fears, but this isn't a therapy session. Um, I'm finding that, uh, unpacking problems, asking questions, analyzing and helping people who are too close to something, see a bigger picture is probably the reddest thread in my coaching, um, day to day life. That's something that I, I really love. Um, and I'm starting to love leading a team. I don't know if it's a red thread yet. I don't know if I'm any good at it, um, but it's something that I am uh, certainly enjoying. So I don't know if it's a hobby yet or if it's actually a red thread. We could go into um, history, good beer, soccer. You're a foodie. Those are you hobbies got, though, right? Good, but you go so deep that sometimes they look red. Um, but when I think of Colin, I think of seeking the truth. Colin just always, he seeks the truth and uh, authenticness is what he strives most for. So, um, and I think your, your coaching is excellent because of that. I think that, that's it. probably a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. where you ask it. And as you mature in that role, it's been a, a, a delight to uh, see. And 
oh my gosh, my son might be a better coach than me. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't you, that the Kat? way it's supposed to be? Isn't that it the way is. it's supposed to be, though? He's supposed to get better than you. I yeah, because I talk too it. much. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, yeah. Catherine? How about you? So you know, I I I feel like um you know uh Sydney saying orange thread. That's great. I I have so many shades of red. I mean, they just are like like so many shades of. I've got a lot of red threads. Um. And I, and I think that there are probably personal ones that I can, that I bring into the workplace. And then there are professional ones that I bring into my home. Um, but my probably strongest one that is both home and professional is the ability to be working one-on-one -on -one with somebody and chewing on a problem and getting to, into a solution. And I, I, I felt like it was, um, I, I just said that to a client the other day that, you know, there, we were scheduled for a financial review and there were other things that needed to be discussed. And at the end, you know, the client said, I'm, I'm sorry for sort of dumping that. And I'm like, no, you just really, you just allowed me to tug and pull a red thread. I mean, like, like I was so jazzed about it because getting somebody to that place where, Maybe I fall into the advice monster category a little too often, but but getting somebody to the place where we've we've started here and we've gotten there and they feel good about it and they've got a workable plan like that. That just oh, feels right. That's, that's compensation almost. It right? is. It is. It's money in the bank. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I want to share a personal story. So so Marcus Buckingham stutters. Uh, stutter and stutters, and uh, so I, I do as well. And he told a story that was eerily similar to mine. Um, in in sixth grade, uh, I was asked by Mrs. Rapolo uh, to to do the commencement speech for our class. Graduate going up to a seventh grade middle school, and I was like, "Oh no, you must meet my brother, Michael." And she goes, "No, no, no, I mean you." I said, Mrs. Rapolo, I stutter. She goes, you're the one to deliver this. Oh, so I did. And I, I faced my fear and, it, and I've faced this fear my whole life. And it comes out that one of my red threads is to move large groups of people. I love it when I can move large groups. And, and so it, it, it went well. And so now I love to, to do that. That's a red thread for me. Um, my dad thought that I should go to school to become a programmer because I wouldn't have to talk so much. But I said, that's not my red thread. Actually, my red thread is talking. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> uh, so um, other red threads are, um, I love spreadsheets because I love the model. Not because I love formulas, but I love the model, the future. I love to see the future and model it. And I get lost in that. Hours can go by because I literally pick, picture a vision. Um, the coaching that I love is I love like you, Catherine. I love to find it. Hold it, hold it, hold it, find it. Find that one thing that is going to make a difference in a phone call. That someone's going to leave there and go and, and change and do and become the best versions of themselves. I love facilitating, not because I love every part of it because it's hard, but I love the connections. When I see connections getting made among people and people leaving with ahas, I'm supercharged. So um, that's why engagement is my, is my fear. Because when you're supercharged, you are living. You are living. Um, 
Catherine, bring us home with how, how we can incorporate team building and a team building exercise here. What are we, and, and what are we gonna do next week around this? So we, we have a, uh, a team retreat up at uh, Brian and Kevin's houses on the lake next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, there's a couple of things that we're going to ask of the team ahead of time and a couple of things that we're going to ask of the team when we're there. Um, you know, Colin, you mentioned the sort of the team aspect of it. Uh, for me, a lot of this information comes through the driving forces on the DISC assessment. So we're going to be spending a little bit of time looking at the DISC assessment. We're also going to take an activity that was actually in the book, um, the the box that represents the voice box, right? the voice box, right? That represents people's red threads. Uh, we're going to start that off. We're going to give everybody an opportunity to, you know, talk a little bit about what is meaningful for them. Um, not everybody has read the book yet, so we're gonna we're gonna be teeing it off uh, with a little bit of an explanation there, and then of course we're gonna assign the book because everybody needs to read this. If you're listening, go get the book. You need to read it. Um, we're also gonna be asking everybody to do an assessment. So on on Marcus Buckingham's website, there's an assessment of what people's strengths are, and understanding where people's strengths are in conjunction with their DISC assessments are and their driving forces allows us to build the most high powerful team. And I think about what our clients deserve. They deserve a high powerful team, but really what we deserve is high powering team. Um, so between the three of those, right, we're going to do a, a, a team disc, we're going to do the voice box, and we're going to have everybody do an assessment so that we can see where their strengths are. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to go deeper into this. You know, Sydney, hearing your red thread, I want to hear more about that because that really intrigues me and, and about how we can help you maximize that. I want the whole team to be sharing that kind of stuff. Um, I want to thank you three for being a part of this book club. Uh, you may notice a, a different format. We didn't invite the whole team because we wanted to go deeper um, with a, a, a few of us. And uh, I've, I've appreciated the new format. Thanks, Sid. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Catherine. Thank Until you. next time, have a great Thank day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.